Welcome to the Rachel Kujup Show. I'm Rachel Kujup and my mission is to help you build a business that supports your multi-passionate lifestyle, create content with confidence and clarity, and launch profitable signature services and products. It is possible to blend who you are with what you do and gain financial freedom while still making a positive contribution to the world. I have helped over 3,000 people across my workshops and programs become respected and successful leaders and creators in their community. I know you have big dreams for your business and life. So are you ready to be seen and heard? In today's episode, I'll show you how to make it happen. Welcome to The Rachel Kujip Show. In today's episode, I'm speaking with my good friend and incredible human, Elena Ciccatelli. Elena is a Jersey girl working in Silicon Valley tech, aka the Silicon Valley sales coach. She is an entrepreneur who helps service-based solopreneurs sign new B2B clients with solid systems and a pop of personality. Elena's sales coaching business was born out of the intense desire to share what she's learned during her extensive sales career at Lyft, over 10 years of bootstrapping a six-figure personal training company and her experience building a successful podcast from zero with other service-based solopreneurs. Elena is the host of the Side Gig Central podcast, has been featured in Forbes, Cheddar and NBC and recently won the prestigious Women in Retail Award in 2021 presented by Car Gurus and Automotive Remarketing. In February 2022, Elena was named one of the top women in automotive mentors at Carfax. Today, we're chatting about how to turn buyer stories into powerful sales strategies. I just know that you're going to get so much from this conversation with Elena. So let's dive in. I'm so excited to have you on the show today to talk about how to turn buyer stories into powerful sales strategies. I'm a huge fan of everything you do. I'm always seeing you being like, oh my God, I love it because you make sales and selling like fun, intuitive and data-driven. And they're all the things I personally believe you need for a successful sales strategy. So before we dive into all like the incredible advice and stories, I'd love to know how do you define sales strategy in simple terms? Rachel, thank you so much. That was one heck of an intro and that goes the same for you. I am a huge, huge fan grilling right now and thank you for the opportunity to be on your show. Yes. So definition, sales strategy. I would love for us to think about sales strategy. You're a solopreneur, you're working on your business, you, you're wearing all the hats. Thinking of a, almost like a decision tree, Okay. So if this one thing happens, oh, I can go over here and pull this resource that I know um, I can rely on. Or um, just knowing that there is certain steps that you need to take to give you a desired outcome. When I think about sales, and I'm sure this is probably true for your listeners as well, I first started my very first business back in 2008, petrified of selling just the connotation around it it's like oh it's pushy it's it's the quote unquote the ick factor but really when you come down to it it's just thinking about 
how you can really use your tools and talents and resources and helping someone else solve a problem. When you break it down in that way, it doesn't feel pushy, it doesn't feel icky, but I think the real paradigm shift that needs to happen, especially in the solopreneur, um, just community in general, just the, the, the thinking that you are, um, you always have to be like on and you always have to be like, you know, you know, selling your, uh, selling your wares, but really it's, it's more of telling your story and telling the story of how you're helping someone and how that person has then been basically transformed by the way that you have helped them. So hopefully that breaks it down a little bit easier to understand when I'm talking about status strategy, sales strategy. So you're thinking of things that are happening um, in a timeline and you're thinking about what are the outcomes that you want from each of those um, each of those decisions, because there are many decisions along the buyer's journey, which we get in, we'll get into in a little bit. Oh, I love that. My process driven brain is like, yes, yes, steps, <laughs> listen to me. And you're so yes, right. like, I think that's the hardest part, I think, for a lot of my listeners in community. And we'll talk about the eat factor in a second as well, is the steps and processes, because coming into the business space, having your own kind of expertise and products and services, and then inviting people to work with you personally or your team or your agency, those steps can be quite different to the corporate space. Like I've sold in the corporate space, you know, been marketing manager. Um, and so it took me a while for my mind to get around like, hang on, these steps are kind of same, same. Like the, maybe the way in which I want to share the message or the story is different but they're the same. Like I, even I came into it being like, I need to do different things. I was like, no, like the sales steps are the same. And I think learning those is just so freeing. So like, oh, I've got a process and formula and then I can bring my own kind of like vibe on top, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we have to also break free from this myth that like you're either really good at sales or you're not because we all are naturally inherently uh, good at telling stories and storytelling and sales are like best friends. And I think when, where we get tripped up, I, I know when I'm helping my clients with their strategy, they get a little bit tripped up in, well, what is the exact thing I need to say at the exact time that I know, right? So then it's like, you're, you're almost like trying to, like, you can have a, you can have a, a template of, <laughs> of things that, that could potentially happen in this conversation, in a DM conversation with a client or an email conversation or some type of inquiry coming in. Like, yes, you can have those resources at your fingertips, but the idea that you're either really good at sales or if you're not, you're just, you're out of luck, sorry, you, you can't be in business is complete BS because we're all good at telling stories. And, and before we hopped on the air here, before you hit record, Rachel, I was telling, I was telling you about like, it's about convincing people and moving people towards an action. But how many of us are doing that on a daily basis in our personal lives, right? I gave the example of, you know, how, uh, you know, constantly in a, in a, uh, uh, a restaurant debacle with my husband, it's like, okay, I want to go to this place that has uh, the really good steak on Friday night and it has like the Parmesan truffle fries. And so it's like you, you are 
you are always selling, but in the way that you're doing it in your personal life, bring that vibe and energy to your business because then it's not going to feel like, oh, I am, I, let me put my used car salesman hat on. And yes, I am in the automotive industry. And I can say that because I know <laughs> that is a real thing for people. When they think of icky salespeople, the first thing they think of is used car salesmen. And yeah, there's some validity to that because there's been some like questionable things happening over the years. But um, my point is, is that for you to start thinking about how you're moving and convincing, and I don't have kids, but I have a dog and his name is Bear. And you better believe I got to convince him on a daily basis to like, let me brush his teeth. And like, you know, it's like, there's always this give and take. I love that. And you're so right. Like this idea that you're good or terrible at selling is not true. And I think it also is the same with like the whole conversations around like, you know, sell without the ick factor. Like, I don't know about you. I get the car salesman and I've had bad sales experiences, but I'm so over this conversation because I feel like then every conversation starts with like, selling's good, you can sell, you can do it. Here's some ways to do it. When it's like, I'm sorry, if you're feeling icky and gross while selling, you're using like manipulation and shame kind of tactics to encourage yourself. That to me isn't actually selling. So you, you don't need to like understand that sales is good or bad. It's like, no, 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 that's not even selling. Like that's not even the conversation. Can we just move on that? Like exactly what you said, that we're good storytellers that we're natural sellers and we just need to bring that in like do you agree I'm so over having the same conversation over and over yes I am a thousand percent uh in <laughs> totally agreeing with you there like it comes from in, in experience because there is an element of especially if you're a first-time entrepreneur and by the way not being an entrepreneur like it is becoming the norm for people to be entrepreneurs now. I don't care if you are doing a set, like it is actually not normal to not have some sort of an entrepreneurial endeavor. Um, I don't know what the exact stats are, but go and read um, To Sell is Human by Daniel Pink. He goes into this really, really deep and about the idea that there are more people pursuing entrepreneurial endeavors and that is more of the norm than not. So. Um, anyway, sorry, getting off track. What was the, the original question you were, uh, asking? Sorry, sorry you're talking about like, like inexperience, like that's oh, we inexperience. Yes. Which is such a good point. Yes. yes, yes. Inexperience. Okay. So when you're a first time entrepreneur and you don't have the experience behind you to understand that you need to be talking about the buyer's story constantly in different ways. You need to be, um, you need to be asking the right questions to the people that are giving you business. How are you maximizing the business that they're already giving you? What does that retention look like? But as a first time entrepreneur, you're also thinking about, and I'll use fitness as an example, just because I was in that industry for a long time. You know, it's, it's the idea of like, where's my next client coming from? You know, this, I have, you know, a couple of people, their contract is going to be out of date soon. I got to rush and I got to, I got to fill those spots again. I got to, you know, for me to, uh, to get to that revenue goal post, that revenue goal post that I need to get to either per month or quarterly, I need to go and find its new client acquisition. So then it's like, 
you're constantly running on new new client acquisition. You're not understanding what are some of the retention strategies that you could be deploying. So anyway, inexperience, I think also lends itself to I'm feeling icky about it and also not being aware of buying triggers, which I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit. Buying triggers, are, which is why I'm such a huge fan of them, is you're able to use them in a way where it's almost like you're you're getting the endorsement of a friend, you're getting the endorsement of a of an already trusted resource resource that's out there that your ideal audience already trusts. So you, by de facto, are then inheriting that trust, and then that buyer's journey gets chopped in half, and you don't you are not needing to do the okay, here I am, this is what I do, this is, you know, so you can cut that buyer's journey down really into a a quicker decision making for the client. So uh, that was a very roundabout answer, but somewhere there was a thread, a thread of usefulness, hopefully. That was so good. There are so many things that I want to tackle. So I'm going to ask separate questions to keep building on that answer. Because as always, you've got so much experience. I think, yes, we need to talk about this. And can we talk about that? So I totally agree with you about the experience, which is the inexperience, which is why I think that process and knowing those steps is so important. So before we start like diving into like the buyer trigger technique and some of your really specific kind of strategies and examples, What are just five questions that listeners need to be asking to nail the sales strategy? Because like you said, I think a lot of us, and I've been there too, we're like, oh my God, we need more clients. We need more clients, you know, acquisition, acquisition. And like you said, retention. So like keeping the clients that are already interested them coming back, re-signing, those things kind of just get forgotten. And I know there are a lot of things we need to be thinking about. So can you give us just at least five questions to keep yeah, it easy? Yeah, absolutely. And this is where you're going to have your pen and paper, or if you're driving, listening to this, um, this is where you make the, the mental note to go in and, and, and check it out. So the first that um, that is really is going to set the stage for you. And by the way, this is for new client acquisition. You can also use this for client retention because you better believe after you have completed your service with your client, you need to be asking them what went well and what didn't go well. All right. So the first question is, and I'm going to use this as a, uh, as like, I'm the client. The first question is what triggered me to start or begin the buying journey? What was the thing in my brain that was like, Oh, red flag, this is a problem. Um, and what is then subconsciously uh, making me start to passively look at solutions, right? Maybe I'm not like full on in research mode, but what is the event? It could be um, something that's happened in my life. It could be something that has um, happened to me either personally, professionally, something that ha- has happened with a friend, a family member. It could be anything, okay? So what was that event that triggered Uh, you to begin that buying journey. The second is, and this is where a lot of people get tripped up, is what is the exact job that I am trying to get done? Not the job that I think the client needs to get done, but I want you to take in the client's words, which is why it's so, so important for you to get 
actual real on the street feedback is understand what that job is. Okay. And I'm going to use the example of, I'm going to use an example of uh, just copywriting. Okay. So the exact job that I need finished and done is I need a website refresh, but I need a sales page that is going to help me um, not only put in two different categories where my services are and how people can contact me, right? So the, the biggest thing here is identifying the job and being super clear on this. The third is what are the pains that I have had with other solutions? And I love this question because you can then dive really, really deep into how those pains are affecting their everyday life. And once you understand what some of those are, so for example, with the copywriting example, I might be putting off, uh, you know, pitching to a large publication. I might be putting off um, doing any number of initiatives in my business because I feel really insecure about not having this X, Y, and Z thing that then I can point people to and go and visit and then help me sell more of my service. Because of the fact that it's that I have writer's block, I'm not good at it, my words, they are not coming out the way that I want them to. This, these are all examples of pains, right? That you can be addressing. And by the way, all these questions, you need to be addressing all these questions in your content. And these are the stories that you're telling. These are the stories that you're telling constantly. And this is where people will be like, ah, wait a second, let me go back and, and see what Rachel is talking about on there. Because that in my brain triggered that experience that I've already had. And I'm like, oh yes, that, okay, yeah. I totally see where Rachel is coming from on there. And then like, oh, well, what does Rachel have to say? The fourth is selfish desire. And this is, I think pretty self-explanatory, which is what were my selfish desires in that moment of needing a particular service. And this one is, is really interesting because you can get as, as much intel as you can from current clients as you can from people going through the prospecting phase with you. So selfish desires, they can be anything from, um, I want to start my own personal brand so that I never have to, uh, I, that I never have to really fight for, uh, my next position. I'll just naturally attract opportunities that are going to come my way. That could be a selfish desire. I want to be a better person. I want to wake up earlier in the morning. I want to, right? So these are all things in, in even think of it on the personal level as well. Think of, uh, you know, I want to travel more. I want to go and visit my, my brother on the other side of the country and not have to worry about finances. Like what are those selfish desires? and talk about them, <laughs> talk about them openly because we're all human and we all have them. But when you're able to make that emotional connection because selling is emotional, okay? There's no way around it, okay? So we are, we are absolutely 
thinking about solutions emotionally, and then we then we have to justify it in our brains logically. That's when it comes back to what we were talking about, Rachel, about experience, right? When you're having that, when you have that concrete experience behind you, and that's where Rachel and I come in as, as coaches, like helping you get to those goalposts, like that's when you can absolutely tell these stories over and over again, and it won't feel salesy. The, the other point that I'd love to drive home here as well is these questions are going to help you get in, in front of prospects sooner. You're going to also be able to create better messaging and more helpful content. Rachel, you are a master at this. I know that oh, you talk you. about all day long. This is what you talk about. This is what you help your clients with. But when you're thinking about selling in this way, your content is going to flow so much more easily than if, if it's like, oh, well, what were those, what were those uh, sales messages that I need to have? What are the, what, yes, you need to have call to actions into your uh, messaging. Yes, that's true. But instead of like making it this formulaic thing, talk more emotionally about what the job was that I had to get done. What were the pains that I had? What, what triggered me to start this buying journey? And then you are then top of mind for that particular solution. That was a lot. That was a lot of stuff that I just hurled your way. It's just so good though. I feel like if listeners only just took away that answer to my question, like you, you're set, right? Because you're so right. Like if you have this information and you use it in a way that feels really good to you, it's also going to feel really good for your clients. So I feel like if you're feeling icky and unsure and like we talked about before you know you don't have the steps you don't have that data you're not feeling really like aligned and in tune with your clients potential clients that's when you're like uh, 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 and then the other people feel that energy and I'm not saying you have to nail it first go because I still have to record stuff many a time and I still get off like you know a sales pitch at the end of the workshop and being like I could have said that better <laughs> but I know that my right energy normally behind it is still really confident and I was talking to a few people yesterday and it's it's about confidence like you can stumble over your words you can say the wrong word but if you're confident and you've demonstrated that like you get where they're at and where they're going so those selfish desires then you can still sell again you don't need to be like a perfect human which is something that I always remind myself because I'm always like stumbling over my words and like pretty much tripping over my own feet and I'm like that is that is just Same. me but that like work that seems to work because I'm not trying to be like you said a, a perfect like yeah. polished version I'm being like a freaking human so yeah. I know you've spoken before and here on the pod about the buyer trigger like technique so I yeah. would love you to dive a little bit deeper into that so can you share again like what exactly it is for listeners and why they should care so basically so those those questions that we just went over those are encompassing of the of buying triggers these are questions that are going to trigger a or elicit a uh buying response in the prospect's mind and it's going to allow you so the buyer trigger technique is really allowing you to turn your buyer stories into smart 
sales strategies, which then can also spill into your marketing, but that's a whole other episode. Okay. And I'm sure Rachel, you can like, that's like a solo episode for you. But um, so turning buyer stories and what I'm really saying about when I talk about the buying trigger technique, the first thing you need to be doing is if you have, you can't be doing this effectively if you don't have any clients at all. That's the only downside. The reason why I say this is you really need to have at least one person who has paid you money for the service that you provide and you need to get real honest to goodness feedback. Even if it's just, hey, let's jump on a call for 10 minutes and just like spill your guts, like tell me the good, the bad, the ugly, how my life has changed and using these questions that we already went over, using those questions as a guide, you're going to be in such a different place than 99.9% .9 of the solopreneurs out there who are just starting out and who are trying to figure out what the hell is my sales strategy. So when we talk about buying triggers and buying trigger technique, it's using the story that that client is telling you. And because really what you're looking at is all all of the all of the parts of your business rolled up into that end result okay and if you think about um you know how we're you know our relationships with our clients yes they need to be uh they need to be really strong but the other part of it too is you want to really get some honest feedback. If you're not getting that honest feedback, then there's like a weird disconnect somewhere. Um, but yes, you're going to cut through all the noise. You want to really get to what matters because this is where you can start to rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, and have that valuable content to people who are going to have the same exact problem as the client that you've already helped. And this is this is the other point I'd love to make as well is um, don't limit yourself to just thinking of my email list or my just my Instagram audience or my Twitter audience or like don't limit it to that. Think a little bit outside of who who can use your service, but then also who can also be like advocates of helping you on your journey what are other partners that you can potentially align yourself that you guys can both have shared business goals i'm getting a little bit corporate-y now uh, apologies but i uh, just had a, a a very good example of this happening um my job at lyft and i can't say the name of the customer because they're very large but um what i can say is that we both came to the table with these really great shared business goals. And what I loved about it was that there was no mystery. You could just, you know, you said, this is what matters to us in this quarter. What matters to you in this quarter? How can we come together and make both of those things a reality? And how can we grow together? So I think there's a lot of parallels that you can draw to just the service industry and solopreneurs providing a service, treating your client like a business partner, almost like we have these, these shared goals. 
and how are we going to work together to make these a reality? So uh, just a little bit of a different way to think about sales, because then when you when you approach it in that way, you're never going to have to do the I have five spots left and I'm only taking like one more person in the rest of the year and or, you know, there's going to be a uh, a firestorm of you you know the the FOMO tactics that that tend to start to drop because people are trying to make they're making desperate money moves at that point yes there is so much um from your answer that like I want to dive into you're so right like that is something that I teach as well like market research like data or data however you say it you need information yeah. and you're right at, at the start it can be a little hard because you're like where my peeps at and you might not have clients. Right. I mean, I help my clients once get more dream clients, build on their client list. And I also work with my clients who have never had any clients before. Like they're literally starting out and we do exactly what you recommend. We go out and we like talk to a whole bunch of different people, even if they haven't purchased yet, often they become the first customers by including them on that journey, finding out what they need before even creating an offer. And you're so right about then thinking, cool, I've had all these incredible people come through like a service or a program or buy a product. How can I make them advocates? So a big thing that I also teach my clients is to like use things like referral programs. Like you said, partnerships, collaborations. Like I truly partner with my clients in my coaching program. Like they're friends. I'm sorry if we work together, we become besties and sharing like dog pictures and plan updates. I'm sorry, that's just the way I roll. But they're like partners and friends. Like we we are like working towards the same thing. We're always referring each other. Like I still get um, copywriting job offers. I don't do copywriting jobs. I'm not a copywriter for hire. So I pass them on to my clients who are copywriters. You know, the same thing. Someone might come to them. They're like, I'm actually not a coach or I don't think I'm the right coach for you. But my coach, Rachel, is like, that's how it should be. And again, thinking about when selling and sales and just getting clients is that, like you said, it's, it's just a really nice conversation. It's like, hey, Rach, you thinking of this or I recommend this. And again, it's not, like you said, sitting on Instagram being like, I need all of the clients. And, you know, I'm seeing really like, and I get it because I've been there. So I'm going to, you know, there's no shame, but like the really sale, key, you know, the key messages, like, you know, are you wanting to like reshape Blah. are you wanting to reach your highest power like what the hell does that even mean right. like, <laughs> yeah like, it's like, right. like actually having stories and getting the words your clients are using because damn I don't know how many times I'm like blah, 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 to my clients and they're like what are you even talking about like the other day I was talking yeah. about like psychographics to a client I'm like Blah, 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 blah. And she's like, what is that? I'm like, oh my God, like I need to stop assuming stuff because I do have years and years of expertise just like you and you forget. So you need to know what they're thinking and how they're saying it. And it's just about having a freaking conversation, right? Like all I'm hearing myself say is like, talk to people. Like it's literally right. simple. Yeah. Talk to people. Exactly. And, and I think this also holds true to what you were saying about like sharing pictures of your dogs and your plants. Cause I do the same thing with my clients and it's like on, on Voxer. It's like, it's like, and then my, my whole thing is like, I'm going to send you 10 gifts that are hilariously uh, related to the story that we're telling each other. Anyway, I really am thinking about um, people are going to buy from you when they feel a connection to you. 
They're only going to feel a connection to you if you are telling the story that is related to their life. <laughs> it's like, you know, we are all vying for people's attention. We're, every, every single one of us is in the attention game, okay? You are not resonating with me. You're not going to capture my attention, which, by the way, is a, is a hot commodity. My attention is a hot commodity. Rachel's attention is a hot commodity. Your attention is listening to this episode is a hot commodity. So it's like, what are you doing to like get people to quote unquote, stop the scroll, to listen to this entire episode, to, uh, you know, go and engage with us after that you've listened to this episode. It, there's a whole like litany of things that that are going to happen if you're doing your job right and you are relating relating just just being and we can also talk about empathy and how that can really play a huge part of your sales strategy i that's again i want to be cognizant of your time because i feel like that's a total empathy and sales that's another episode um but i think it's it people do business with people that they like and a story it's so true and I definitely lead with empathy it's like one of my strongest values and skill sets and it's so true and I think again when you're being a decent human being it doesn't mean that you can't encourage your clients to take action when you know they need to that gentle little like push and it doesn't mean that you can't hold space for them and say actually I really do think you need this service now and here's why like it doesn't mean that you can't still go back to them and really encourage them to, you know, be in their like highest kind of like level, their highest thinking. They're like, what do I truly, truly need? And tap into those selfish desires and to see the outcomes. I think also, you know, when it comes to people and they're talking about sales is, you know, something we can talk on quickly to wrap up is like all of these things like objections. Like I, I don't teach my clients how to overcome objections. I don't believe in objections again I believe in conversations about like providing information so my clients can make empowered and informed decisions holding space for that you know in a call or on dms or emails wherever they feel comfortable to be having those conversations and I've never again felt like oh my god just like freaking say yes already or you know like I refuse to be x y and z because I don't believe in sales calls which is like a huge thing again like this idea that I'm like swimming around in a pool with a cocktail and people are just coming to me and they just have to like do whatever I want like follow my steps because I know best I'm sorry I don't know best my clients and community always know best they know it's best for them and they're coming to me because I'm an expert in this area but that doesn't mean I'm an expert in their lives their business their desires I'm not so I simply just ask questions like you said and lead with empathy and like I said at no point has anyone ever been like Rachel, like F off. It's always like, thank you so much for following up. A really amazing conversation. It's not for me at this time, but can I be put on the wait list? And literally 80% of people, they do eventually work with me. And I think it's because I honor their humanity and I'm leading again as a human being with empathy, knowing it's not my job to force them to do anything. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's also a, a bigger question here. When you get an objection, it means that there's there's no information parity. Information parity means that on one side of the equation, the seller and the buyer, 
The seller and the buyer need to reach information parity, meaning they need to have, uh, think about selling your car, which I recently just did, and I'm getting an EV, which is very exciting. But anyway, I sold my gas guzzling car. And this is very true in like the online valuations of, of vehicles right now, because it's like, why do you feel like that's very slimy and not transparent? Because there's no information parity only until recently with the advent of technology. And again, I won't name any names because everybody knows what the big players are out there and like getting valuations for your car online. If you want to hit me up with an endorsement deal, that's cool too. So, but until that point, um, information parity, we didn't have access to that before. So we always felt like going into that transaction, I'm going to get rooked. I'm going to get taken advantage of. So what you're talking about, Rachel, and in the objection phase, someone in that equation, usually the buyer does not have access to the information that they need at that point to make a decision to part with resources and that is money. Okay, so I think when you are continuously either educating, having that conversation and asking more questions so that you can both reach information parity, I think is so, so important because when you, um, when you don't operate in this black box, like you're not like the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain pulling all the stuff and the levers and he's got like the flames and it's like, like no <laughs> nobody does business like that anymore and if you are doing business like that then you're gonna have a lifespan of about i don't know a, a couple of months and then you're gonna be you're again longevity is out the window you want a sustained business you want to build your credibility build your reputation you are aiming to arm your community with tools and resources about the topic that you're an expert in. So that's how I, did I answer the question about objections? I don't know. You did. I feel like, I feel like there's been many a mic drop moment. Okay. <laughs> so mic drop. So to wrap up, what's yeah. the one thing that you'd like listeners to take away from this episode about powerful sales strategies? Don't get wrapped up in the things that don't work for you. Don't spin your wheels and try to repeat over and over again the same thing, expect a different result. I believe they call that insanity. Okay. So when you find yourself not getting to that, that level of uh, understanding of your clients and understanding of how you can tell your buyer's story. When you're, when you're feeling like you are not able to clearly communicate that with your community, that's when you go and you seek out advice from experts. And I will also give you this nugget as well. You know, like as solopreneurs, yes, you're bootstrapping, you're co cost conscious, you most times don't have a team, right? But what I would also, I would caution you in, you know, when you're building your business, if you don't have access to a community or somebody who is 10, 15, a thousand steps ahead of you, you're going to, you're going to stunt your growth. And even worse, you're going to burn out and you might even quit and your business model might be really great. Okay. But you didn't really see it through because you didn't have access to the, uh, 
to those resources. So I encourage you, there are people out there, myself included, I am happy to mentor people. I am happy to, you know, uh, to share my knowledge. This is why I love going on podcasts. Like, and Rachel, I know that you are like a total huge fan of this yourself. It's like, no, there are really great people in this industry, really great people in this space. Reach out to them, reach out to them and just be like, look, this is where I'm at. Even if it's just to clear your mind a little bit because it is overwhelming running the whole show by yourself and, and you don't know what you don't know. And so that's, that's one of the, the takeaways I'd, I'd want to leave you guys with. Uh, and it's so true. Thank you so much for sharing that. I wholeheartedly agree because if it's the one thing that all of my clients burn out on and it stops them from coming back to their business and growing business, is normally around sales and marketing. It, it really is because for a lot of us, that isn't our skill set. And obviously we need sales and marketing to get clients to make cash, like to make banks. So if we're not able to do that, our business isn't profitable and we can't continue it. And I think there are so many other things that are worth your time, money, the resources like you shared, but sales and marketing is where it's at. Like if you can't get that stuff sorted, the chances of your business lasting are decreased you can make it work but you've got to have a lot of staying power and let's be honest like these days we we've got a whole bunch of stuff going on we can't devote 50 60 hours to our business and we shouldn't have to so yeah thank you so much for coming on to the Rachel Gushup show and for sharing your story insights and wisdom I know that listeners are going to take away so much from this conversation so thank you again for coming on the show thank you Rachel this has been awesome Thanks so much for tuning into today's episode. If you found what I've shared valuable, please leave a review and hit the subscribe button so you don't miss when a new episode drops every Wednesday.